0: Up, come on. And now run away. Reverse psychology. Come,
1: come. Everybody thinks they control their dog, but they don't. The dog does what they want, and now it's looking for food. Oh my god, it's licking me!
0: Hello and welcome to I Hate Your Movie with Dan and Rick. And Yadja. And Yadja, (laughs) a dog who won't leave. So we watched Not Wet Hot American Summer because it's just disappeared from the internet, the whole movie. To buy, to rent, anything. Just even though Netflix has two different series uh, that they built on, it just disappeared from the internet. You can't buy it. So we watched My Backup Plan, which was Mulholland Drive by David Lynch, an equally hilarious movie (laughs) featuring Naomi Watts and Other Lady.
1: Featuring two people David Lynch found at a bus stop somewhere based on their acting ability. Whoa, (laughs) are we going there already? (laughs) Oh my lord. I'll get an insult in first of all and I'm going to try my best to be as respectful of this film as I can be. I know it's your favourite film so I'm going to try and do things in a constructive criticism kind of way more than my usual everything sucks kind of okay attitude but
0: i would say go hard there will for, be for, there will be times us.
1: during this where it gets personal <laughs> <laughs> wow
0: you didn't like it that much first of all let me ask you this okay okay did you understand what was happening no
1: no okay. not at all
0: would you like to hear my interpretation of what's happening in the
1: movie uh, would you like to hear the official interpretation that it's on the internet?
0: There's no official interpretation because David Lynch doesn't tell you. Okay. You just found a theory on the internet.
1: I did find a theory on the internet, but it's on like every single website. I went on okay. different things and this the general consensus was that this is the... But before that, we need to do a one-line review. One-line review of what just happened. Yeah, go on. My one-line review, as I almost just said, is what just happened. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah that's fair even though i love the movie yeah, it's fair
1: yeah it's, okay i would love to hear your interpretation okay this is absolutely <laughs> <offense. laughs>
0: so you know david lynch i don't know if he doesn't like theorizing on his movies but he definitely doesn't want to say what his movies is about he likes to say that they speak for themselves mm-hmm. which i think this one is and to be honest he made two kind of straightforward films the straight story and the elephant man And Dune, I guess, to a certain extent. But out of his weirdo films, I think this is the most understandable one. Okay. If you haven't seen the movie, it starts with a very chipper, Naomi Watts, who came to Hollywood looking for fame, and she finds this lady who... I'm telling the story out of order on purpose. She finds this lady who lost her memories, and then they kind of investigate what happened. Who is this lady together? And what happens is, near the two-third mark of the film, there's a giant, weird, abstract theatre show, or stage play, I guess. I don't know what to call it. And from then on, the movie changes dramatically. kind of see the same story, at least symbolically, played out, but everything is darker, twisted. So my interpretation is, to explain this, I do need to spoil the movie, so if you haven't seen it and you like weirdo, abstract, avant-garde, surrealist films, you should watch Mulholland Drive. It's one of the best. So in my interpretation, the last one third of the movie was reality. Okay. Naomi Watts, she kills herself. Okay. And then what we see at the beginning of the movie, first two thirds of the movie, is her dream reinterpretation of what happened. hmm so, if you see it that way, she is in love with this actress and she's kind of also jealous of her talent and position. So, she kind of dreams up this scenario where she's like a young actress coming to Hollywood and she's also super talented. And she kind of dreams up this scenario where they could be together and fulfill her dream as well as being like this Hollywood star. Okay. So, that's my interpretation there's disconnected stuff like the when the two guys are at the diner yep one of my favorite scenes so two guys at the diner and there's one that starts explaining that he had the dream where they were at this diner and there was someone in the back some mysterious person in the back and then they go out investigate if uh, that person is there from the dream and there's like a big jump scare and it's a homeless lady. <laughs> I don't know if it's supposed to be a lady or a guy, but... Um, how, I, I thought it was a witch. And so my interpretation was that... My, I think the whole movie is about the disillusionment in Hollywood celebrity.
1: <laughs> 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 Unfortunately, you can't see the face I'm making <laughs> now, but you can imagine.
0: Bullshit. That's how I feel. Total fucking... Bullshit. <laughs> let me let alright, let me try to convince you, right? Yep. The movie's title, Mulholland Drive. Yeah. Have you played GTA five?
1: Um with tangent, yes.
0: You know that when you go up from the city to those very expensive villas, yeah. there's that drive. That's Mulholland Drive. Yeah,
1: Mulholland Drive is a real road yeah, to, yeah, yeah. In, in Hollywood.
0: You can see a whole of Hollywood of Mulholland Drive. And so this movie is saying that. This whole movie is like an overlook of the of the Hollywood system and and culture, and the other thing is this disconnected scene is also about that. I'm thinking this little diner scene is like miniaturized version of the movie. These two guys who, first of all, don't want to see the truth. There's ugly homeless people around them in the backs of buildings and and around them, right. And that's kind of like the encapsulation of the movie, which is not facing the truth, not facing, not living in reality, and also this kind of stepping aside of people who are less fortunate than they are. The metaphor would work better if they weren't at uh, like a greasy spoon
1: diner. Okay. I think. Yeah, they would need to be at a fancy restaurant or something. Yes, yes.
0: But yeah, other than that. It's uh, it's pretty clear to me that that's what the movie's saying.
1: So you don't want to hear what the slightly official. I kinda kind of don't. How close?
0: How close is mine?
1: It doesn't really go much into the interpretation of it. It more says. Okay, go, ahead, go ahead. Just okay, say. Okay, fine. So the the thing that I read online, and it, like I said, it came up on a few websites. So, but it's been copy and pasted from an original post somewhere. So. You know, take it all with a pinch of salt. So, Mulholland Drive is the rather chilling look into a psyche of a deeply disturbed and suicidal woman who is guilt-stricken over her involvement in the murder of her estranged lover. The entire movie takes place in her apartment over the course of a few hours on the day she commits suicide.
0: Yeah, so, basically all I said... <laughs> it is! <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Well, uh, the first part about what <laughs> the movie structure is, is that yeah, the yeah. the last part is reality.
1: What I couldn't get my head around was the, the the movie takes place in her apartment over the course of a few hours.
0: Yeah, I don't get that. No. I guess what I think has happened, the only way it makes sense to me is it's the whole first two thirds is her dream as she kills herself or as okay. she fades away or something like that.
1: Okay. Or she just replays it, replays it for her head and then... After replaying, it decides that she's going to commit suicide. Yeah,
0: the the only way that doesn't make sense is because in reality, we see like little bits that she takes in with her to the fantasy ideal of herself. Mm -hmm. She gets the name Betty from a waitress. She gets this is the girl from an assassin. So it's like little bits that happen in reality is kind of distorted in her dream. That's why it makes sense that it's at the very end, when she kills herself, she has this big dream.
1: Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's let's start going through the film. Oh, God. Um, like, scene by scene, or, you know, we'll skip a few bits. So, I think the the biggest thing for me from this film as well is not only did I not understand it, but it had, like, zero lasting impact for me. Wow. Like, I completely forgot this film existed the second I finished watching it
0: really wow
1: and it's largely because I didn't understand it mm-hmm. and it was so far for me removed from an actual story mm-hmm. this is for people who like surrealism and this is for people who like to not really understand what the plot is and I want to be able to figure it out over time that's not something that I enjoy doing
0: would you not enjoy coming up with your own interpretation
1: of the story I think every film you watch, to a point apart from like your stupid action films, you you do take your own. No, version, apart from Jumanji, apart too. from Jumanji, 2, <laughs> Welcome to the Jumanji. But you can still take your own. But like for example, take Inception. Mm-hmm. You know, you take your own things from that. That's for people who like to kind of figure things out. But then you go one step further than that, and it doesn't make sense to a popular audience anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, you you're really specialising at that point to mm-hmm. people who want to have their own interpretation they don't want to be told at all yeah and i don't enjoy that like you don't that. no okay
0: and you weren't even try to find the original interpretation like like yeah. in inception style but even more mysterious
1: no i, I got like hollywood is bad Kind of yeah. thing from it, yeah. but that just could have been told anyway. It's just you don't need to have all these layers behind it. And like, what did he mean when he said this? Mm-hmm. And it's it's the same with a lot of David Lynch's work. So one of the reasons I didn't like Twin Peaks, like, there's so many like theories and conversations behind the scenes about what this means and what that means. Mm-hmm. And and although like I don't seek definitive answers for those things, I like to be able to create myself. But I don't want it to make it so broad Mm. that anything can be the answer
0: (laughs) Mm. the way I think about it it's almost like looking at a painting the more abstract painting goes the more it is your interpretation
1: yeah I get that but I just I like a more I don't know how to describe it really edit all this out Um. (laughs) 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 now Um, that you
0: said it I won't edit it out
1: so for about three months I was in art college and I despised it intensely Mm -hmm. we did lots of studies on artwork and that kind of thing and one of the things that they showed us was this painting and it was a guy and a a woman and they were kind of embracing each other but you weren't quite sure she was turning her head away and the question for the study was are they going to sleep together Mm -hmm. and you looked at the painting and at the back there was a like a flock of sheep and the sheep was walking away and that symbolized her leaving the herd and leaving the thing and so that means she was going to do it there was also like but that's my problem you you groan at that but that's exactly how i see this film you know you've got to look for the symbols in the background you've got to look and it's like oh why no no, no. <laughs> or, or even even a step further than that like you've yeah. got the symbols and then david lynch takes those those sheep and he makes them white squares and you've got to figure out their sheep before you figure out that they're that's what they're doing and it's so many layers into it that it's just mm-hmm. I don't
0: uh, The reason I groaned at that is because that's the ultimate goal is not the same though. Because David Lynch wants you to have your interpretation. He doesn't want you to quote unquote figure out his movie. He wants you to get the emotional resonance and whatever your interpretation is, that is the interpretation. There is an interpretation which is his, yeah. but he wants you to have your own interpretation.
1: But that's the same as like modern art. You know, you go to the Tate Museum and there's a giant metallic spider over, mm. like, World War Two period bunk beds. Mm. Gibberish to me. And again, you can have your interpretation. You can look at that and go, oh, you know, the giant spider represents fascism and the world war ii bunk beds is all all the kids that died and all that and you and yeah and someone else could look at that and think something else i don't know but you come away with your interpretation but anyone can do that
0: (laughs) i think a better example would be like some dadaist stuff some what a dadaist which is like someone just presenting a urinal yes and saying that this is it i think the difference between that and this movie is mm-hmm. is author's intent okay and this movie has clearly had craft and talent going into it and he has an intent that's portrayed right mhm so he's every the guy. urinal it's just present on your own, and it's probably just a sarcastic thing.
1: The giant spider over the bunk beds is actually something that was in the tape modern, probably about a decade ago now. Yeah. So again, but the artist has an intention for that, and you yeah. take your own interpretation. That, to be away honest, from that
0: it. sounds cool to me. Like it doesn't <laughs> it.
1: I just think it's the Mulholland Drive is a puzzle that can never be solved, and that bugs me. It bugs you? Yeah. Okay. Like I want to see. A solution to the puzzle.
0: To me, it's pretty clear what the movie is. Probably because I've seen it so many times now. When I was first saw it, I was like, what the fuck? But I loved it. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I need to see this again and kind of just, you know, think
1: about it. Never going to see it again. Yo, <laughs> <laughs> cool. Right. So, the film. Yes. So, David Lynch has... We watched the 4K restored version. Yeah, it looks, yep.
0: looks really good. I've only seen this movie in like a very grainy, terrible DVD quality or in cinema.
1: <laughs> grainy, terrible DVD quality. I thought you were going to say like VHS or... <laughs> no, not... DVDs are alright.
0: It's just, I don't know, the picture for some reason was so grainy all the time. I think that's because... And I watched it in the cinema as well and it was grainy there too. And I think they cleaned it up for this 4K. And it looks so good.
1: And obviously David Lynch came out of...
0: Making in uh, his weather reports. It's Friday, and it's sunny. Goodbye. That's a fantastic impression.
1: (laughs) Good morning. It's July 29, 2020, and it's a Wednesday. For those of you experiencing this weather report, audio only, you can't see that I'm holding a jar. What is the purpose of this jar? Why did I paint it this certain way? Here in LA, at early morning clouds and fog rolled in, but it's soon going to burn off. Very still right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so first scene of the film is just people dancing. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's,
0: it's old timey credits. I took that as a intro credit sequence, like in the old movies, like with the Good, Bad, and the Ugly.
1: But it was it was nonsense. It was it didn't make any sense. Why was there people dancing? And then why was there really bizarre special effects? Like you could see people through the people dancing. It was like a child playing with special effects on a computer.
0: Yeah. To be honest, I don't have an answer for that. If it's the movie. <laughs>
1: that's all i can say but that oh okay fair enough well it doesn't make sense therefore it fits the movie uh, and you could say that with anything you could put some unedited footage of a inside of a chicken house (laughs) and be like yeah it doesn't make sense so it's part of the movie
0: (laughs) you know what movies are emotional experiences and this movie is not about the structure i -hmm. feel like you're kind of a structure guy yes it's (laughs) not about the structure it's It's not about, like, a mystery you can solve. It's about all the emotions you get. Okay.
1: Well, unfortunately, it failed in that respect as well. Okay. For for myself. We'll be back after this slight drink break. Cool. So, starts off uh, after the completely unrelated people dancing. We move on to, like, them driving up Mulholland Drive. Yeah, overlooking all Hollywood. Overlooking the Hollywood. And then what I was actually quite impressed with is, is there's a real car crash.
0: I forgot about that. Yeah. That looks really good. Like, yeah, yeah. really, like, real.
1: Yeah, it does. <laughs> so, the Hollywood, at the minute, does this really annoying thing where they, like, put a ramp on the back of a car. Mm. And when they hit each other, the car flies up into the air and topples over. But car crashes don't do that. They just hit each other. Mm. And that's it. So, I was, I was really happy to see that because mm. it, it just looked like a real car crash. And then, obviously, there's a car crash because there's... Those pesky youths <laughs> racing through the street. Two cars racing full of kids. One crashes into the other car. The other just carries on driving. They don't give a shit about their friends. Yeah, they don't care. They're gone. It's Teenagers. They, they, they've they won the race. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. <laughs> Fuck you, dead guys.
0: <laughs> do makes sense to me. All these LA fucking... Sl- assholes.
1: Yeah, cool. Yeah, so we're just going to skip past that because that doesn't really... I mean, it's a film with no structure in it because it, it doesn't make sense. It I'm not saying in. there's no structure. It, does, it doesn't have a... I didn't mean no structure. It's a film where, you know, it's interpretation. You can... Yeah. Things don't have to make sense. Yeah. So, there you go. About
0: the structure, right? You go on. If this movie was told traditionally, it'd be the most clichéd movie ever made. Right. Because it's basically... It was all a dream. Right. The movie. <laughs> yeah. But... The way it's told is the interesting
1: part. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, so then obviously the car crash happens and Brunette uh, gets out of the car and starts walking down the hill. Yeah. Why? Out of harm's way, because uphill is harder. Wouldn't you stay with the car and just kind of call for help? Where they try to murder you. Well, yeah, the drivers are dead.
0: Well, still they try to murder
1: you. That's a, like a really popular road and she just walks off into the woods. If you're gonna get murdered anyway, it's gonna be in the woods.
0: Yeah, maybe. She sees the like the city lights, maybe that's why she's going that way.
1: I kind of maybe got like a dazed to confused. She's in shock, so she's not making good decisions.
0: The whole amnesia thing is very like cliched and very old Hollywood. Not even old Hollywood, it's almost like a terrible television show. It's like, Oh, I don't remember my name where I come from but it works because of the context yeah, yeah. larger context
1: cool then she falls asleep on someone's porch
0: yeah well she has a head wound
1: she has a head wound and she just falls asleep on someone's doorstep
0: yeah if I have one little nitpick there go on her head wound we barely see it yeah it should be more bloody it should be more visible think her hair is kind of covering it
1: Cool. So then there's like the, the first bit of the many things that i didn't really understand <laughs> the, the police are at the scene do you ever see the police again after that scene i can't remember No,
0: i don't think so no
1: no so no. again i mean I, there's no point in the scene for me they're talking to each other and they're like oh what do you think happened blah 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 and then the guy hands a bag to the other one and they're like the boys found this on the car and he hands it to the other guy and you never know what's in that bag. It doesn't yeah. say what's in the bag. Like but it was something significant. The
0: significance of that scene is because we are, in my interpretation, in a dream sequence. Like a not even dream sequence, we're in a wish fulfillment sequence. That's needed for her wish fulfilment for Brunette to be this kind of damsel in distress, slash have this mysterious plot okay. behind her that they can solve together.
1: Okay. Yeah. But what was in the bag?
0: I don't know. I don't care,
1: to be honest. <laughs> Fair enough. So then Brunette goes into someone's house. Yeah. And she hides under a table. Mm-hmm. It's a terrible hiding spot. Yeah. Under the table, is it's in the side of the kitchen, so away from the door. So you walk into the door and you would immediately see someone hiding underneath a table on the right-hand side because you're looking at the far side of a room and in that room there's a table mm. and underneath that table is a woman hiding. Correct. And yeah, nobody sees her. Nobody, nobody sees her at all. But that's fine, you know. It's okay. And then it cuts to the diner scene, mm-hmm. like like you say. Yes. What are your thoughts on A, the acting ability... And be the dialogue in, not just this scene, particularly in this scene, but in general.
0: So, I think the acting is excellent all the way, especially Naomi Watts. Like, how she didn't go on to have, like, some amazing career. She had, like, a middling, kind of, whatever career. Terrible movies like Aquaman and shit like that. But she plays two completely different people. Like, almost 180 turn. Even the small roles. That guy, I in the diner I believed he was fucking terrified Okay, and and that scene wouldn't work if I didn't believe that guy was terrified I didn't believe that guy was terrified I completely believed that guy was terrified now the dialogue is a different thing I think the first two thirds is intentionally cheesy written overwritten yeah, To be kind of resembling like bad TV show. But you can see the real writing talent in the last one third. But there's not even that much dialogue. It's mostly like show don't tell kind of stuff.
1: Okay. For me, I didn't enjoy the acting throughout. Okay. I thought I, there's a very good reason for me why most of these people have not been seen since. Um, the only person I felt acted well in the movie was Justin Faroo? Oh, yeah, he was all right. Yeah. And he was all right, and he has done things since. He, he's he's he been in the sitcoms, he's been in, like, some films, and I think that shows. Yeah. I think his acting ability shows. Everything else is like, oh, my God, why are you doing this? Well, kind yeah, of. that's... Even in the final third, for me, it's yeah. like that, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. You don't like Naomi Watts? I think she's...
1: Which one's Naomi Watts?
0: Um, Blondie. Blondie was good. Yeah, like, especially the two different kind of personalities. When I first saw the movie, and when you first saw the movie, because you asked, (laughs) you asked if that's the same actress. And that's not just makeup and hair. That's her whole performance is just completely
1: changed. Yeah, but, you know, that's the bare minimum required of an actress, is to play different characters.
0: But two, like, so different characters. yeah not always there's character actors and that kind of stuff and she had a lot on her shoulders
1: the main reason i asked it is that the same actress was not because i was so convinced that she was someone else i knew she was the same person but the film completely flipped on its head mm-hmm. and then she was playing a different character yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah. it was presented as if she was a new person mm-hmm. but i was like but no that's the same person that's definitely her mm. yeah i wasn't yeah. so convinced by <laughs> her performance
0: so yeah excellent acting we, all, uh, we both
1: agree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I do find that throughout the films we watch, acting ability doesn't seem that important to you particularly. And there are definitely parts where, like, if I research films online and they say, oh, this is really brilliantly acted, and we've seen things, you've seen that, and I agree that with you know the consensus, then you've gone, well, I don't really know, well, that was terrible. I find acting ability... It plays a massive part in the way I enjoy films. Okay, I didn't feel that like this was up uh, like Hollywood standard.
0: Okay, but the way you described it in the first part—that everyone just a bit almost theatrical—would you? Say <laughs> no, that? I would
1: say it's like dialogue from the room, but
0: not dialogue, just acting.
1: Or both. You know, it's like the room comes out on the roof where it's like, "Oh, hey, Mark, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see you there." <laughs>
0: Me. I fed up with his world.
1: you know it's that kind of just really just cut moments weird like people just they don't talk as they normally do everything's yeah. very but I would
0: separate structured. that a bit because I don't think the dialogue is is intentionally kind of like that and the acting is intentionally like that. So if you consider that the acting is intentionally like that, would you think the acting is good or would you just think that the direction of this movie was wrong?
1: I think if it was intentionally like that and I could respect that, the final third of the film would seem better acted to me. Mm -hmm. And And you still think the wonderful? No. There There is one scene in this film where Naomi Watts really, like plays a part and i wasn't sure if this was intentional or not when she's reading lines with brunette that is the only time in the film where i felt like she was actually acting properly like acting like an actor like okay putting a, the proper amount of emotion into a thing like when she's getting upset because as you get upset you act as you hold back mm. you don't throw everything out you don't make a stupid face and you don't go when you cry you Mm -hmm. try and hold it back and you try and and that's acting whereas she doesn't it's all everything's kind of this School play level. You
0: see, that's for me. That's film to film. Like if she did that in Inception, that would be right. That yeah. would be if yeah. If you want to use Inception as a structured David Lynch kind of film <laughs> example, so if she did that in, in Inception, yeah, that would be horrible. Yeah, but it fits in this film.
1: If it's what, but is that an excuse? Is that a reason? Like, oh, we can have everyone acting terribly.
0: I wouldn't say terribly. I would say overacting. And yeah, it's definitely a choice. Otherwise. Not everyone would do it. So it's definitely a direction.
1: But everyone also does that in Twin Peaks.
0: Yeah. that's Because that's his thought. In series, not movies. And this is kind of like a blend.
1: Yes, actually. Did you know? I don't (laughs) know. It's time. It's time for fun fun fact. Fun fact number one. This was originally written as a spin-off of Twin Peaks. Yeah. He was going yeah. to follow one of the characters.
0: The pilot was filmed and it's contained in this movie and that's the first two thirds. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, it's weird to see because there are David Lynch films that are just straight films. Yeah. And they're more serious and more dramatic and more resembling the last one third. And it's weird because in a series, as usually it's more like Chipper and uppity, And these <laughs> films are really, really dark sometimes.
1: Okay fair enough going back to the diner scene where we are in the film I did really like the camera work of this scene they when they're going out to the car park and they're looking behind the wall the camera is them so you're seeing what they're seeing yeah and I think that added a good amount of suspense Because mm. then you feel like you're very much in the thing And it was still a jump scare But it was just interesting to do it Instead of it happening to the person It's happening to you So therefore it brings you more yeah. into it I really, I really like that I think more people should do that
0: That's weird that you noticed that I noticed the editing in that scene a lot Okay cut so perfectly It's like It's almost like It's exponentially starts cutting faster As they approach that scene and it's okay. there's something very surprising about it which is the scary character is not like jumping into the screen which is the usual jump scare yeah. no it's just there for one cut and it goes away And it's, I, I like that, that's really unique
1: yeah, then after the diner scene that has nothing to do with the rest of the plot as far as we can tell no cool
0: uh as i explained it's you know it's more about the theme
1: cool we then go back to oh no we meet blonde you meet betty yeah yeah we meet blonde and she's landing in lax Mm -hmm. ready for her career and everything is over the top you know she's talking to these old people that are excessively smiling everything they do is through like this joker-like smile (laughs) Yeah. And the dialogue at this point is kind of like, oh, my God, I was so nervous and e- and excited to come to L.A., but it was sure good to have some people to talk to. Like, we've just stepped out of The Wizard of Oz. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, this goes back to this, like, overacting thing. It's supposed to be like this storybook kind of stuff. It's a fantasy.
1: There's a TV series that works, but there's a scene in it. I think it's either 30 Rock or it's Kimmy Schmidt where there's a bit over the top this this girl steps out of a bus and she's like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm here. I'm going to be a prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> it's Yeah, it's that kind of over the top. Yeah. From there, we move on to... We introduce Justin Theroux's character. Yes. Who is in the boardroom with oh, yeah. some people yeah he i couldn't stop looking at him because he just everything about him reminded me of james gunn yeah he looks <laughs> a lot of james gunnish yeah, yeah right so I even just, his glasses looks yeah it's gla- even his hair because he's got the spiky yeah. hair as well yeah that's why um, james gunn's gray now he's gone gray hair yeah I, no he's like white mm. it's weird yeah so it was a nice little tie-in you mm. know to, for me it was <laughs> for you it yeah, was something like to watch he here was in this he movie. was like a producer and now james gunn's a producer it's kind of like okay That's someone I recognise, even though it's 20 years beforehand. So for some reason in this scene, Justin Farrow has a golf club on the table in front of him. I don't remember this. Yep. Okay. Yes, he he does. It it turns out there was a reason for that in the end. Um, Uh, Yeah, well, yeah. It's in my fun facts, which which we'll get to in a little bit. And then they're talking to the executives, and this is where James Gunn starts getting (laughs) pressured into putting a girl in his film. Yeah. Like, this is the girl. This is the girl. This is the girl. You've got the two Italian yeah. money men who are pressuring him into it and they order an espresso. Yeah. They go, oh my God, they're really trying to impress it. They've got this special espresso maker specifically for the guy and he sits there and he drinks it and he spits it out into his napkin Yeah, because it's so disgusting. Mm. how could you serve me this terrible espresso and then they leave yeah would you like to hear a couple of fun facts alright right Right, so the person who spits out the coffee into the napkin he is the composer yeah Angelo Badalamenti yeah Yeah, yeah. and the second fun fact is the scene afterwards Justin Furrier takes his golf club that he for some reason took into a meeting and smashes a car up with it Mm. did you know why that is and why that who that's based on
0: before you said that it was on the table I thought he took it out of his car
1: so we mentioned Jack Nicholson earlier his character is based on jack nicholson because jack nicholson did that he took a golf club and he smashed in someone's window oh really and he became known as the mulholland man really for that reason yeah wow so this is why it's based on mulholland oh, driving that's why that's the character he's based on and then i completely forgot about this scene the next scene that i remember now is there's an assassin Oh, yeah. And he's like he just murders a bunch of people accidentally. So this is why I told you
0: that David Lynch is usually seen as, like, a surrealist director. And I think some people who haven't seen his films think that, oh, that means he's, like, all snobby and everything. But his movies are fucking hilarious. There's two very funny scenes in this movie, and that's one of them.
1: Do you not feel that's completely out of tone with the rest of the film?
0: No, especially... As you said, everyone is overacting and everyone's cheaper and it kind of feels like a bad episode of a TV show with amnesia. So, no, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't find it funny?
1: I did find it funny, but the rest of the film, like, the rest of the film the soundtrack is like... Yeah. I
0: was going to say about Angelo Badalamenti. Mm-hmm. I really like his music. In this movie, eh. Yeah. Eh, Twin Peaks' soundtrack is so amazing, I think. Compare that to this, it's like... Just whatever
1: yeah but it's a very like dark mysterious film for the most part and then you've just got this scene in the middle where he accidentally shoots someone through a wall yeah. and the maid comes and he murders the maid.
0: Yeah. What's funny about David Lynch, and it's really hard to talk about this movie without talking about him, is that he loves the mundane. He loves, <laughs> he loves mundane people and mundane activities and every kind of mystery and everything that's just sad dressing and he just likes to show people mundane and that's where he really shines. So an assassin going in there and fucking up something and having to kill two more people by accident and the fat woman who thinks she's got bitten by a mosquito (laughs) and she has to wrestle that lady. I think that fits in with his ammo very well.
1: Okay, as long as you enjoy it. As long as you enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) That's the main thing. That's the episode
0: title. (laughs) It's like I put the U in bold. As long as you enjoy it.
1: (laughs) I think my next point was based on like just more acting issues. There's a bit where they're like, go on, we'll pretend like we're someone else. They phone someone or they go somewhere and they, yeah, we'll pretend like we're somewhere else just to see if there was an accident <gasps> on Mulholland Drive. <laughs> this is one bit that
0: i don't understand the connection Mm -hmm. in the movie that's the same diner from that disconnected diner scene yeah and to be honest i don't understand the connection but it's okay
1: is it in the first two thirds or the second it's the
0: first yeah well it's when the mystery happens so yeah it's in the first
1: maybe it's like uh she actually went to that diner at some point and that's why she's dreaming about it
0: yeah, some people between peaks or things like that—they really like to get to like to read all the theories and everything. Mm-hmm. I'm happy with just experiencing the movie and coming up with whatever thing happened.
1: Yeah, everyone enjoys things in their own way. <laughs> that was the other thing about this film. Like, you always have films where like, two or three plots are happening at the same time, but I really felt like this film was like, now we're doing this. Now we're doing this. Mm. Now we're back to that. Now we're doing this again. Trying to go through the film now, it shows for me more because the next scene after that is Justin Faroe getting his movie shut down.
0: I have something to say about disconnection and and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. There's like a real world reason for that and there's a movie reason for that. A movie reason is what we discussed, which Mm -hmm. is it's like a disconnected dream. It does come together just in weird ways where it's just they're setting up the assassin, but the only reason to see that, to show that he's an assassin. Okay. That's the only thing. But the real world reason for that is that it was shot as a TV show, and the TV show would have been re all these characters would have been, like, explored. Yeah, yeah. And that kind of stuff.
1: I also just don't think it fits in with the theme of it was, like, it was all a dream, Mm -hmm. because you don't dream in five-minute segments of three different dreams. You know, it's all connected.
0: Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) It's, like, fun police. (laughs) (laughs) And the most hilarious scene in movie history happens. (laughs) <laughs> where he goes home <laughs> okay. and he finds his wife is cheating on him. Yep. But instead of the typical, oh, no, oh, please come back. The guy should be angry at the wife. Yeah. Instead, of the wife is angry. That, why did you come home early? Why yeah. they fucked up everything? And she <laughs> screams at him.
1: I remember Justin Faru in that way. goes, oh, now you've done it. Oh, now you've done it. Oh, my God, now you've done it. Oh, and then he goes and... Poor paint over all her jewelry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, because she's like probably a shallow person, like all of them. I love her performance. You know who that guy is? She cheats on with. No. <gasps> I can say a fun fact. Woo! You know who Billy Ray Cyrus is? It's Miley Cyrus's father, okay. and he he did that honky tonk song. What's it called? He's like a country singer, and he's. I only know it from South Park That's the only song he was known for Anyway, yeah, he's a musician He's Miley Cyrus' father
1: Okay (laughs) Other thing I remember from this film Is there's this really weird background music For almost the whole scene And it's this weird, like, jazz, piano, blues (laughs) Yeah, yeah like a porn's about to start. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's that's an Angela Badalamenti thing. He does it for Twin Peaks as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Huh? It's yeah. Music is the weak point in this movie for sure.
1: <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> my next note is one of the my my favorite things that happened when we were watching the film, and it wasn't actually part of the film. Oh. You paused it for a moment. I can't remember for, and I remember thinking like, oh my god. Another David Lynch thing where he's just left us staring at a door <laughs> or a road because that's what he does. I remember watching Twin Peaks and there was a scene where the car drives off and that's normally like the car starts driving and then they fade out. But for the Twin Peaks, it, they got in the car and then drove and you saw them drive down the road for about 15 seconds. Then they turn the corner. <laughs> And you couldn't see them for another five seconds. And I just remember looking at the story, oh my god, another David Lynch thing where they <laughs> were just staring at a door for no good reason. But then I realised that you had paused it. <laughs> well, it's funny. What a heavy
0: load Einstein must have had. <laughs> Fucking morons everywhere. Yeah, this movie moves along in a nice pace. There's no, like, weird fillers.
1: Yes, so things start to turn a little bit for the worst. There's a woman at the door who's one of the neighbours mm. and she's like, someone's in trouble. Mm. We never see her again. Yeah. <laughs> Problem. <laughs> no, not at all. My notes at this point is, um, one hour mark, um, nothing has happened except for the crash.
0: Well, I mean, that's not just not true. Yeah,
1: we have talked quite a lot about...
0: That guy spit out the coffee, remember? yeah i mean do you mean action wise um what do you mean because there's things happening in the movie there's things happening it's not, it's not as bad in the prelude way like uh, good bad and the ugly yeah it's much the better, story gets going pretty much right away
1: yeah you
0: mean like nothing interesting happened yeah i suppose okay. so yeah well we just disagree on that <laughs> how can you not love the cheating scene with the screaming
1: wife. <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> screaming, why did the husband come home early? I imagine that's more common than you'd think.
0: Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's from a real world experience. David Lynch has had many wives.
1: <laughs> from there, we meet the cowboy, because Justin Faroo gets covered in paint, and we go and meet the cowboy. And the cowboy is very antagonistic towards Justin Faroo, and he's telling him to think about it, but not be a smart aleck. <laughs>
0: I want to look up where he says exactly that sentence.
1: He asked about the actress. So you have to cast this is the girl. If you see me one time, you will have done a good job. If you see me twice, you will have done a bad job.
0: Yes, that's part of it. But how it starts is a man's attitude goes some ways. The way his life will be. Is that something you agree with? And he's like, sure. Now, did you answer because you thought that was what I wanted to hear? Or did you think about what I said? And the answer, because you truly believe that to be right. He's talking to the audience, not Justin for. That's why he's making sure that we are listening about what he says. A man's, a human's attitude goes some ways, the way his life will be. Why is he saying that to the audience? So he's talking to the audience, he's talking to, to Blondie. Yeah. Like uh, Clint Eastwood. <laughs> 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 that basically she needs to get her shit together.
1: Next up, we have the scene where she is acting. She's she's in an audition.
0: Yes. She did this scene with Brunette. Yeah. But now it's the real go. Yeah. And this is. Showing us also the wish fulfillment of, uh, oh, she's uh, secretly like a huge talent because like all of a sudden she becomes a great actress and she, not only that, she is some horrible guy who she has to act with. Yeah. He's, he's kind of touchy-feely with her. She takes control of the situation and she moves on him. Yeah. He kind of gets scared. Uh, I love that scene. It's so fun and it's... It's nothing to do with the dialogue of what they're saying. It's about, like, all the little things.
1: Yeah, he is essentially a... Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> yeah, he's like a lechy leather sofa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. it has got to be... What's the, what's the word? It's not, like, preferred, was it? Like Backstage? No, what's the word for, like, a guy who's all, like... Grabby? Yeah. Mm. Mm. There is a word. Ooh, Louis C.K. <laughs> <laughs> if if Louis C.K. was a leather sofa,
0: yeah. Also, I love in that scene a little bit of comedy. This extremely emotional scene, and they're very well acted. I don't care what you say. <laughs> and uh, director, what did you think? What? A what? Oh, good, good. <laughs> a bit, maybe a bit forced, but
1: very good. <laughs> I love how he just doesn't give a shit. Yeah, yeah, this is where things start to get a bit weird. Blonde and brunette go in search of someone and they find a dead body. Or do they find, do they find the dead body? Or the, yeah, because...
0: A brunette who at this point hasn't remembered a single thing. She gets a name in her head. She doesn't know if it's her or someone she knows. And they find that in a phone book, 2001. <laughs> <laughs> Magical 2001 technology. <laughs> the phone book. And they go to this place and there is a lady there in the apartment. Yeah. Who swapped an apartment with this person they were looking for.
1: Which, by the way, why is that relevant? Like, why could they not have just gone to an apartment? Because they break in anyway. It's not like this woman helps her. There's this whole scene where they, they chat about how they swapped apartment.
0: Yeah, well, you do remember in the last third, that woman reappears.
1: Does she? Yeah. Okay.
0: And it's strongly implied that it's her ex. Right. It's just another thing where you can see little bits in the dream, where the dream kind of starts falling apart and the reality starts seeping in. And that's one of them. Okay. I guess she doesn't have a great imagination. <laughs> so she she imagines this while they're looking for this fictional person in the dream. She imagines her real-life situation with her ex. Okay. Swapping apartments, so sort of breaking up. Uh, okay. That's yeah. why she's
1: looking for her stuff back all the time. Yeah. Yeah And why she's so moody about it Yeah Okay Makes sense
0: I'm converting him (laughs)
1: <laughs> so next up, we have one of my favorite bits of dialogue for the film. Uh-oh. So we're gonna skip past the sex scene with the unnecessary nudity. Could have been done much more subtly.
0: You know what, though, this is a lesbian film, Gear of the Lord, two thousand and one. <laughs> seven years before Brokeback Mountain, five, mm-hmm. seven, something okay. like that. Yeah, yeah. Why isn't this movie celebrated as a huge LGBTQ film? And there are real people in there. Like they break up, they're jealous. Yeah. It's not just a cater film
1: i don't know it's the answer to that question yeah. but i would say that lesbianism wasn't vilified the same way as two men um being gay together it i think been.
0: in film it might have been in popular culture and this was like not a big film but like at least a medium it wasn't like a it's not like an indie
1: film yeah it wasn't like an indie
0: right? film it wasn't a awards film where mm-hmm. only it was like in yeah, yeah so it was fairly watched and did well i think so even though yes The long sex scene, it doesn't really have anything to do in the film. It's just kind of like a mood thing and then portraying love and and that sort of stuff. It's still fucking brave to to put out like a full-on lesbian scene in the world, 2001. Yeah,
1: so my favourite line of dialogue in this bit is where they've done their thing and they're lying down together and Blonde asks Brunette, Have you ever done this before? (laughs) (laughs) To a lady who has amnesia and can't remember her own name.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I guess it would have been more appropriate to say, did this fair right? Or something like that.
1: And yes, we keep going further and further down into kind of like the surrealism. Because the brunette at this point has a dream about Silencio.
0: Okay, so that's not a dream. That's not like a dream within a dream. Right. So that's kind of like the main dreamer. Right? Blonde. Yep. <laughs> Rick is closing his <laughs> mind, just like trying to understand this whole thing. Block
1: everything out so I can use my entire brain power <laughs> on, on what is about to be said.
0: <laughs> so there's this... Uh, Why well, I said this two-thirds, thing, right? Mm-hmm. Real girl, who's blonde. Yep. Last third. It's her dream falling apart. Yeah, They go to this bar and so there's also... One thing that's introduced earlier, which is like a blue key, yeah, that's found in Brunette's handbag, but doesn't really matter, it's a symbolic thing. Mm-hmm. And they go to this bar, which is called Silencio.
1: Is it a bar or is it, for, is it a theater?
0: Well, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah,
1: it's that they watch a show on the stage, yes, yeah. true, it's a theater.
0: It's a very, I don't even know how to describe it. It is meant to be, if you remember, they're like, there's a singing woman. And yeah. it's, it's all, all a recording and they make sure... Yeah, on the it, it, when he comes
1: out at the start of it and he's like, this is all a recording, this is all a recording. And then he like closes his mouth and it says again, this is all a recording. I actually really enjoyed the singing part of this because she does start this really impassioned song and the acting in that bit, whoever that was, she's really good because she puts loads of emotion behind her performance. And then she collapses on stage and the performance carries on going because yeah. it was never her because it was all a recording yeah
0: so that's her realising this is a fake love because it's a love song and it's fake she sure, realizes it's all fake that's kind of I think what the symbolism of that scene is although specific things I still might not understand like what the fuck is the blue haired woman on the balcony okay no idea no idea where there's like lightning <laughs> at some point <laughs> yeah i think that's just because david lynch likes electricity and lightning when he puts it in his movies mm-hmm. i love that whole scene is like is a beautiful dreary dream destroying performance uh, yep it's uh surprising to me that you like the singing though i thought that's what you'd hate the most because it's long yeah i would think that you think it serves no
1: purpose well, no, for the film in general, no. I don't, I didn't really, still didn't understand it at that point either. But just the idea that her performance in that, and this is what I'm saying about the acting ability carrying something through. Mm. Where that actress's ability in that scene made me want to see it more. Mm-hmm. Where she was, you know, badly acting in that, then no, I would I would have mm. lost interest quite quickly. Okay. This is where the key goes into the box, yes. and everything gets flipped on its head. Yes. And this is where the one sentence review comes in like what just happened cuz at this point i just completely lost where i was and what yeah, was yeah but
0: that's on. that's okay I think that's what you meant to feel at first watching of this. Yeah. I think what happens is what I've been saying all the way through, which is all this was a dream. The box is just a symbolic version of reality she doesn't want to face. Yeah. And that comes in later, actually. And uh, as soon as they enter the box, no more dream and it's just all reality. Well, there's little bits, but yeah.
1: Yeah. So at this point, the cowboy comes in for a scene and he's checking on the dead girl. Yeah.
0: Come on. Time to wake up yeah i think that one's on the nose (laughs) and at at this
1: point as well brunette is still in it Mm -hmm. as well even though she's kind of coming out of the dream they're still in a relationship at this point
0: no so this new world this new reality we enter is following blonde yeah it's quite different so she's a lesser actress Mm -hmm. with lesser abilities yeah. And she's jealous of Brunette that she dreams about later. But it's not made clear in the movie whether they've been in a relationship before.
1: I think it is a weird thing where she was topless on the couch. Oh, and then this. someone came up and was like touching her. And she was like, oh, no, stop. Right. Well, if you don't want don't be topless so, on the couch.
0: This is where <laughs> the weird stuff comes in, which is that was also dream.
1: Just. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Okay, <laughs> so let me let me set it up for you. But yeah. we see blonde; she's disheveled. Yeah, She smokes, shes it's hard for her to get up from the bed, she's quite sluggish, mm-hmm. and the ex comes over. Remab- okay. Remember that bit? Okay, yeah. Yeah, the ex comes over and is like, oh, do you have still have my stuff? Yeah. And then they have a little exchange. They don't say they uh, used to be partners, but it's pretty clear. She takes an ashtray uh, that looks like a piano. Okay. And then, after she takes it, she goes to the couch, blonde. Mm-hmm. And then X leaves. Yeah, she goes to the couch, and the camera pans over to the table. Yeah, and the ashtray is there still. Okay, that signifies we enter a little dream sequence or a little wish fulfillment sequence.
1: Yeah, this is but this is what I'm saying. It's like <laughs> it's, this is what I was saying about art before, about it being the sheep behind the thing, and you, well, you kind the, of. I
0: think this is made clear. So X no. X X takes <laughs> the ashtray away. And then immediately a camera pans over and there's that ashtray. That clearly signifies to me that this is...
1: Because people can't own two of things, clearly.
0: I don't even think there's cuts. (laughs) You know, it's not like there's a time jump. Yeah,
1: but I didn't see the ashtray, at all. I didn't see her taking an ashtray.
0: Oh, if a camera pans over it, it just focuses on it for a
1: bit. Yeah, but that's David Lynch all over. He just focuses on <laughs> yeah, like bizarre things that that may or may or may not make sense based on your interpretation <laughs> of it.
0: That's not a bizarre thing. That's just filmmaking. That's just it's just storytelling. That's I, just focusing I, on a thing that's meant to signify something.
1: I didn't see her take the original ashtray, so that a okay. so him focusing on that ashtray means. To me. Okay, anyway. Okay, so, so she's woken up from the dream, but now she's back in the dream.
0: Just a little bit where she kind of fantasizes about having sex with uh, Brunette.
1: But she tells Brunette to stop.
0: Yeah, and then you notice as well, when she tells her to stop, she disappears. Okay. From the room completely. So that also tells you that it's kind of like a fantasy. Um. Boobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, This is <just>, yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice,
1: bro. Okay, so... Would you like to walk us through the reasoning behind the the masturbating scene? Oh, I love that. Uh, Um, Well, (laughs) 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 do you want to explain why?
0: Yes. Bit of context. This is actually a bit of an outlier. But I've noticed in David Lynch films that sex usually means something bad. I wonder <laughs> I wonder if he's actually an asexual or something. Because his films is usually have no sex scene in it, but it usually signifies something bad. <laughs> now, that's not true for the sex scenes in this movie, but it is true for the masturbation scene in this film. Mm-hmm. Now, the masturbation scene... Oh, God, such a good scene. She is in love with this fantasy version of this woman. Yeah. And, and she masturbates thinking about her, but because the fantasy kind of rejects her and she is kind of feels two ways about it she can't get off she just like punches her vagina (laughs) she's angrily masturbating trying to get off and she can't get off and that's kind of her character in a larger context she can't get this wish fulfillment
1: Mm -hmm. out of her I mean is she thinking about Brunette at this point? Yeah, probably. Fair enough. So then we go on to... It repeats the introduction of the film. And there's a a limo going up Mulholland Drive. And I think they're both in it at this point. Yes. Yeah. I was kind of hoping at this point it would be the end of the film. Oh, no. (laughs) Because I thought, okay, we've started where we began. That's a nice little wrap-up point. There's like
0: 20 more minutes and it's pre packed.
1: I'm aware.
0: (laughs) 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 They're having like this... Hollywood elite dining. Yes, um, that's right. Um, yes. Thing, uh, where we meet more of her characters in her dream, uh, real counterparts. Okay. We meet, the. we haven't talked about the landlord Coco. Yeah. Who's actually Justin Theroux's mom. Mm-hmm. We meet the real brunette, which, who is actually uh, engaged to Justin Theroux. Yep. Maybe this has to be the girl girl. Okay. The photograph. Yeah. It's just lots of little visual references of what her dream will be.
1: Fair enough. Um, and it's also where you see the cowboy for the second yeah, time. He, he just he, he, he just walks the- by. He's in the background. I told you to pay attention. So what is the significance of the cowboy in the end? You see him for the second time and, and what?
0: Right. So this is a lot of backtracking. So okay. I'll tr- try to be concise. So her decision, as we later find out, is that she wants to kill Brunette. Okay. Jealousy, both from in a sexual way and in a Hollywood talent kind of way. And when she meets the assassin... In this real world, she shows the assassin the picture of the brunette says, this is the girl. Mm -hmm. So if you walk backwards a bit, what that means is what the cowboy said is that if you made the wrong decision, and I interpret that as trying to kill the girl. Yeah. You'll see me twice. Right. And I think the cowboy shows up exactly when they announce that they're engaged. Okay. So I think that's when she makes the decision that she'll send an assassin to kill her.
1: Right. Okay. Fair enough. I will take your word for that.
0: (laughs) Well, it's, you know, it's... This is why it's so hard to talk about this movie, because it's all about interpretations and...
1: Yeah. It's in the next scene that she hires the killer. Yes. She's looking very disheveled in the diner. And that, I believe... Is where the film ends? Does the camera pan out to the alleyway? Is there more? There's more. Is there no more notes? No, there's no more notes.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Right. So she goes home. She gets chased by the old couple at the beginning. Remember that?
1: So this is where the surrealism of it really kind of like got to me. Okay. In that the next scene goes back to the alleyway, and the witch that scared the guy in the diner scene, she's there, and she now has the blue box, and it then zooms into a bag of trash on the floor, and the old people from the start of the film walk out of the bag like little miniature mm-hmm. bad CGI versions of them. and then, like, I don't
0: think it's CGI. I think it's just... Yeah, also, into, yeah uh, not CGI. Blue it screen. Yeah,
1: blue screen yeah. versions and walk out of this bag and they're like... <laughs> which is just a completely bizarre scene. And then she has the old people like rushing towards her.
0: We're in her apartment now.
1: Yeah, so it cuts to her apartment. Yeah. And then the same old people rushing towards her and then she gets a gun and she shoots at the old people and then everything in the scene disappears in smoke. No, she shoots herself. She, and she does that?
0: Yeah, but she, then she kills herself and she goes to the bed.
1: Does she? Yeah. Does she? Yeah. Well, she shoots herself in the head. Yeah.
0: I don't think we see it point blank, but she lies down with the gun like this and, then we, poof, and there's like smoke coming up.
1: Okay. Yeah. I thought she was shooting at the old people.
0: So what did you think? <laughs>
1: well, it was just gibberish. <laughs> it was <laughs>
0: right this is a, in this point a few things come together okay. and uh, we haven't talked about the blue box a lot yet no nope. so they find the blue key in the dream and think after the silencio scene yeah they suddenly have a blue box that fits that
1: key key fits in the box yeah
0: and as I explained I think that's like a return to reality that's like a, a shocking truth that she doesn't want to face yeah it's
1: an unlocking of her memories yes
0: it's interesting how it's kind of explained in the real world yeah which is it's kind of vague but what happens is the assassin gives her a blue key that looks a bit different yeah and after the assassin says yes i'll do the job here's the key and she asks, what's the key for he laughs and i don't think we're meant to know in real life what the key is but this shows that the key is unlocking kind of something truth that she doesn't want to face
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) We need to do a video podcast because (laughs) Rick's face tells you everything you need to know if you're you're more of his kind of movie enjoyer. It's like
1: I'm trying to solve a Rubik's Cube in a labyrinth. Mm, Yeah.
0: It is because it's a dream sequence and it also works backwards. (laughs) You're right. And I watched this movie too many times, so I know one or two things about it. (laughs) So we get the symbolism of the cube. And then I told you earlier what I think, I hate saying what I think is the symbolism as fact because i'm not sure yeah but why i think the symbolism of the homeless person is also a truth we don't want to see okay and so she has the cube that's kind of just a coming together of symbolisms yeah and the old people just kind of signifies one of her early fantasies in the movie as she arrives to the airport. It's that happy old couple, and even when she meets that happy old couple, already the dream starts to crumble because the old couple go away in a taxi and they're like smiling and ha 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 <laughs> that, that, that. So the old couple kind of represents that breaking down of her dream. And she gets haunted by that. And she gets haunted by just her kind of this wish fulfillment that she can never have. And so she kills herself. And then, in my opinion, that's where the dream sequence starts. Kind of as she's dying. That you can see like little flashes as she lies down of her as Betty, as the dream character. And yeah. Cool. 10 out of 10 sure
1: again going back it's a film i didn't like because i didn't understand it okay i didn't think the acting was of good quality i understand why people do like it Mm. i understand that bringing your own interpretations from things is appealing for some people it it seems to be very on brand and it seems to be very meticulously crafted Mm. but if the end result is something that i that didn't entertain me then it's not a film I would enjoy
0: is my explanation giving you any more value to the film to you or not
1: no not really it's It's a joke you have to explain isn't funny Mm -hmm. and it's the same thing if you have to be told what something symbolises then it's not as meaningful
0: this is why I don't like to read alternative theories yeah because the same reason I'm the
1: same with music Like my partner, she will research what each song is about Mm. because she wants to know what the people are singing about. For me, I love my own interpretation Mm. of what they're singing about and it completely ruins a song for me. Mm. If I know they're singing about their ex when I think they're singing about... Social anxiety or whatever.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And this is why I think it's better that David Lynch doesn't explain this movie. Yeah. And it just, in a way, speaks for itself. And again, I think it's one of the more understandable movies of his. So I guess we're not going to watch any more David (laughs) Lynch (laughs) films. We can watch Straight Story, his Disney film. about Disney film. Yeah, he has a Disney film. Okay. I'd never seen it, but I know a lot about it. It's about a guy who has cancer and he's old and he gets on his tractor and he travels America. Nothing weird about it. Okay. Literally nothing weird. And David Lynch called it his most experimental film ever. <laughs> <laughs> you might like Elephant Man. That's also a very. I don't think there's any weird things in that. It's just a drama. Have you
1: ever seen any of his short films? There's one called Boat. It's a thing on a boat. Oh, okay. No, I didn't see oh. that. Uh, it popped up on my news feed. Mm. and it was like David Lynch tries his hand at ASMR oh no but then it was weird it was, that was the headline of the news article but it was pure clickbait because it was all about these short films he made 15 years ago yeah,
0: yeah. I, I was thinking that he, I don't think he made a new one yeah I've seen his short film called Grandma don't watch that okay a little boy kisses a grandma on the mouth right it's pretty gross uh, but other than that, it's a cute story. A little boy puts some seeds and grows a grandma. Okay. <laughs> and his newest short film is when he interrogates a monkey. Obviously, it's in oh, Netflix yeah. special. <laughs> I love it. It's great. <laughs> he just sends you know in a room with a monkey and just interrogates it about fucking a chicken or something.
1: Of course yeah Yeah. makes sense because that symbolizes the firm no
0: i I think it was just funny i (laughs) I don't think there's anything symbolizes anything it's just funny
1: we're gonna end on a fun fact because there was a fun fact that didn't come up so monty montgomery which is a fantastic name he played the cowboy yeah. He couldn't remember any of his lines. So in the scene where he's talking to Justin Farouk, when Justin Farouk's back was to the camera, he had to hold up boards <laughs> <laughs> with the cowboy's lines on it so uh, that he yeah. could read them.
0: <laughs> to be honest, he was a bit wooden now that I think about it. Mm. But it kind of like it, it fit in a way because he was supposed to be an almost <laughs> an out of movie character.
1: Mm. He was a bit wooden and it kind of worked in a way because he fit in with all of the other actors and actresses for the entire film. (laughs) No, because
0: the rest, the opposite of wooden. I mean, you might say it's bad, but wooden is not the right for,
1: for... Poor acting is poor acting.
0: Yeah, fine, whatever. Yeah, so watch Mulholland Drive. Yeah. Watch the new 4K restoration, beautifully restored. It looks great.
1: Credit to Criterion. Yeah. And the original composer or composers worked, and David Lynch worked on it to restore it, not to someone else's vision of it, but to their vision of yeah. it, which is the most important thing. Yeah,
0: that's the great thing about Criterion is that they don't like, yeah, well, the, don't worry. Yeah. They like invite the original creators, especially like a movie like this is very important. Uh, so what are we watching
1: next? Right, so I struggled with the next film because there are, there are several films that I really enjoy that you may or may not like, leaning towards not like. But I didn't want to pick another, like, stupid film. Okay. So interestingly enough, we're gonna be watching High Life.
0: Okay, what was that again? I it think was, you
1: said that. It. it is an kind of an independent film starring Robert Patterson and Mia Goth mm-hmm. as believe they're criminals that have been sent into space to kind of explore, but in another way they. I think they run a spaceship that sends data back to Earth and it's continuously speeding up somehow. Okay. And, yeah, it does have some really bizarre sexual scenes in it, okay. which, which I am not comfortable with sitting with other people in. Oh, with other by people. the way,
0: when the sex scenes happen in Mordred, I just looked at you because <laughs> <laughs> I know you're uncomfortable with yeah, sex
1: scenes. So, uh, this is, like, really kind of, like, interpretive sex scenes. It's... it's yeah, it's, you got my attention. This is a film I I think you might genuinely enjoy. But then I did think the same about I think we're alone now. Yeah, which was stars Peter Dinklage as a man the, who fought. He thinks he's the only man left in America or in the world. Stars Peter Dinklage and on his one week
0: off from Game of Thrones,
1: where <laughs> he could just about fear in. A terrible the movie. It's a really good film, and it was another in- that film was another inspiration for this podcast. So you may like it, you may not. It's definitely my shot at you enjoying a film. So I will now spend. Probably a very long length of time attempting to find where High Life is available. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> so when we intro the next podcast and it's, oh, we watched Extraction, <laughs> <laughs> we'll know why.
0: The internet should be, everything's available all the time.
1: I don't understand how it's not at this yeah. point. You know, how is everything not available Yeah. in this day and age?
0: There's 15 streaming services. <laughs> Thank you for listening.
1: Thank you for listening.
0: And uh, subscribe. <laughs>
1: Sublica scribe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sublica scribe.
1: Bye. Bye. Run. Hello guys. This is Rick. I've changed my mind. Mulholland Drive is my favorite test movie ever. Anyway, we have a bonus episode next week about popular movies we didn't like. So if you'd like to hear that, head over to patreon.com ihateyourmovie I hate your movie. Or IHYM.co.uk and support us for one dollar a month.